Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Good to have you back. Simon Alicia here in beautiful Melbourne, Australia, and I'm not alone this time. I'm actually joined in the same room at the same time, defying physics and latency, etc., by my good colleague, Shane Bottaccino. Welcome, Shane. Hello, Simon. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to have you here. So Shane's one of our illustrious solution architects here in the Melbourne office, and um, I'm freaking him out a bit because he does listen to the podcast, and now he's on the podcast. So again, that weird singularity comes into play, doesn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I've asked you to come in and have a bit of a chat today because we have a new service to talk about with our listeners and you've gone hands-on. I have. Which is a good thing. So we're talking today about the new AWS Server Migration Service or SMS, um, which is a pretty cool little service. So maybe I'll give a bit of context of what it is and what it's for. And then we'll dive into some of the details. What do you reckon? Sounds good, Simon. Awesome. So the server migration service is cunningly named because it migrates servers. So it pretty much gives away its purpose. Uh, it's currently focused in the VMware space, but support for other um, virtualization technologies are going to be available soon. And the idea is to make the process of migrating existing virtualized applications to Amazon EC2 easier. Now, we've had services like this in the past that do a similar job. This is kind of taking it to that next level. We'll talk about some details soon. But essentially, it lets you automate, schedule, and track your incremental replication of your virtual machines into your EC2 world through the auspices of Amazon Machine Images or AMIs. And there's lots of detail around this that we'll get into in a minute. But what I wanted to do is kind of hit some of the high-level, can it do X, Y, and Zs? And then we'll get into some of the the details. So firstly... uh, Operating system support is one of the number one questions that people ask. So what can you currently migrate with it? So you can migrate flavors of Windows. We've got Windows Server 2003, 2008, 2012, and 2016. Uh, Windows 7, 8, and 10. Uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux, or RHEL, as we like to call it. SUSE, SLES, CentOS, Ubuntu, Oracle Linux, Fedora, and Debian Linux operating systems. Now, the... Uh, Documentation gives us all the nuances of the version numbers, etc. I'm not going to regale them with you now. Um, but pretty broad stretch there, isn't it, Shane? Absolutely. I think it covered most of the operating systems in your house. Almost. Didn't have any VMS. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> we're lacking. We're lacking in some of the more obscure ones. Now, in terms of uh, uh, region support, currently it's out in US East, Northern Virginia, Europe, Ireland, and our old friend Asia Pacific, Sydney. So uh, it's available for quite a large number of customers and more will be on the way as well. But let's talk about what it's for. It is for migration. It's not for DR. So one of the nuances is that you can only be doing the replication for 90 days per virtual machine. So it's clear to get it done. So really it's a, it's a periodic thing that we want to get going. Now, one of the differences is if we think about a typical lift and shift migration, I have to copy everything, get the state right, shut everything down, move everything across, then start it up again. Now, obviously the, one of the tricks here, Shane, is that we're doing incremental replication mm. all the time. So how does that change the model? How does it work? In terms of setting up the server migration service, it's actually quite a simple process. You simply download a VMware OVA image from within the AWS console Mm -hmm. and deploy that on VMware. Once deployed, you follow a web interface that will guide you through the process. This is like a connector, I think it's called? Yeah, it is called the uh, SMS connector where you... Um, put in your vCenter credentials and your AWS credentials, and it acts as like a bridge between VMware and AWS. Now, you just mentioned AWS credentials, and I'm a bit of a stickler for security when it comes to AWS credentials. 
So we're talking roles here. We're talking IAM users, and it's all in the documentation how to set those up correctly. Correct, yes. So our documentation will guide you through the process of creating a role specifically for SMS, and you use those SMS credentials in the SMS connector that you've deployed on VMware. Great. So the credentials you're using for the connector are specifically for doing this migration process. The permissions for the SMS role are based on least privilege. Mm -hmm. So it has permissions to upload to S3 and maybe a little bit more. Yeah, I think it allows a bit of uh, SNS access to notify some changes. It also uh, is S3, so it's pretty limited surface here in in terms of what it actually needs. Um, but yeah, those, those roles are locked down. So let's say, so we've gone through the installation process. We've got the connector in. Uh, am I deploying agents all through my fleet? Absolutely not. And I think that's one of the differentiators of this product versus other products on the market. It is agentless and works at the VM where at the hypervisor level. Mm. So it's kind of aware of what it has to do with those units of work that migrates it. Absolutely. So does it discover everything? Like, so you, you, you we, we decided because you let's let's share with that audience a little bit about your home. Uh, <laughs> you're a connected home fanboy. Absolutely. <laughs> I think it's fair to say, and you've got a remarkable amount of infrastructure at your house. I do. Um, I have a 42 RU rack, <laughs> um, some relatively modern HP ProLiant servers, and um, hardware VPN solutions, etc. So we thought, okay, this this migration service is out. Perfect. Let's, I can let's migrate <laughs> my house into AWS. <laughs> so so you took it home and you, you installed it and then uh, it discovered what was there. Yeah, it discovered, it was able to have a look at the inventory inside my vCenter and display them in the AWS console and allow me to create replication jobs. And those jobs run for a period, mm-hmm. up to 90 days, I believe, and we'll capture incremental changes. So when I was testing this service out, I deployed a virtual machine as a test where I forgot to enable SSH. So that would I was, be annoying. <laughs> that would be annoying. So it successfully deployed into EC2, but I wasn't able to log in. And I thought at first, was it to do with my knuckles or security groups? Mm-hmm. But that wasn't a problem. And then I used a nifty feature to look at the screenshot of an EC2 instance, which told me that it had deployed, but there was no way to remotely control it. So back in VMware, I enabled OpenSSH on the machine, and in around 30 minutes, the replication had re-replicated back into AWS, and I was able to spin up a new instance with SSH enabled on the AWS side. And that's really interesting about this incremental replication approach. So we're sort of talking earlier on about the fact that normally you have to do this big replication process and then do a big cutover. The concept here is to have it continuously incrementally replicating. And every time a new replica or increment takes place, it becomes a new AMI as well. So you can undo mistakes you may have done as well. But it means that our cutover process is much shorter because we're only catching up on the last few changes and then we're able to flip over. Absolutely correct. And that makes it much easier. Now, also... The, we should point out the replication itself takes, uh, is taken care of, uh, over an encrypted link. So it's TLS. Um, we optimize the link as much as possible in terms of utilization. So this incremental change process as well helps us track changes and only replicate what has to go. But you do need a reasonable network link to move the data. It's really a function of space versus bandwidth, isn't it? For sure. So to give our listeners some form of perspective on how long this took, 
I have a 25 megabit upload um, link at home and replicating a 4 gig virtual machine took around 50 minutes from the initial seed to from the point where I was able to launch an EC2 instance within AWS. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, so it's relatively quick. I don't know how you're getting 25 meg connections from your house. The power of the NVN, <laughs> Simon. <laughs> I don't have that at my house, so it would take a bit longer. Um, now, obviously, we're talking about the server tier. I think that's something that's important to consider. If we're looking at a holistic strategy, data becomes a big part of it. This is a useful tool for moving uh, application servers, web servers, etc. Servers that really uh, maybe you can't rebuild easily in EC2. But it doesn't solve the database side. But we do have a service that does solve that tier, don't we? Absolutely. It's a database migration service. And that, that really, I think, fits in nicely in terms of doing kind of a similar job in terms of that continuous inter- uh, that continuously uh, incremental updates to the databases being stored on AWS. Plus, you get the benefit that you can shift between database types. So if you want to move, for example, to Aurora to save on licensing costs and get better performance, you can do that as part of your migration. But really, you'd be having your server migration service running in parallel pretty much with your database migration service running and then bring them together at the time you wanted to cut over your application. It's pretty powerful. Absolutely. And in terms of licensing, um, if I remember correctly, we have options. Uh, Bring your own and you can use the EC2 licensing as well from an operating system perspective. Yeah. So that's pretty nifty if you want to... uh, uh, Bring what you've got currently or you've got an existing investment, you can reuse that as much as you want. Correct, yeah. How many servers did you have at home? How many VMs did you I have five virtual machines that run my house. <laughs> That's okay. Because the the, uh, the initial limit uh, for concurrent uh, replication jobs per connector is 50 uh, for the account. So... Um, that's just a, a ballpark of where you might want to see yourself in terms of doing things at a big scale. Of course, you can uh, talk to us at AWS and we can always increase it as well. Um, one of the other things to consider is this is all, of course, API-driven. So I think you use the console to set it up. Correct. Pretty yes, simple. You can use the AWS CLI. Yep. You will need to upgrade your version. Of course. New feature, new functionality. Got to upgrade. <laughs> yes. and, the, and there's the API, the actual the. Uh, the non-command line API, the API API, uh, is also available. So um, plenty of options there. So you could really build it into your tooling, your workflow, etc. It's pretty nifty. Very good. Excellent. So um, so how long did it take you to get it all going, give or take? So, okay, start to finish, the entire process probably took around one hour end to end. Mm-hmm. Um, our console guides you through the process. I think the... the the longest time was actually downloading the SMS the OVA, OVA yeah, file for yeah. VMware, installing that yeah. onto VMware. There's a little bit of configuration that needs to be done mm-hmm. and configuring vCenter. Yeah. So yeah. when I say configuration, it's just ensuring that the credentials that you're using are least privileged. Yeah. So, you know, I could have used administrator credentials on vCenter. I could have also used administrative or root credentials on the AWS console. But, you know, best practice, least privileges. Absolutely. Well, and of course, if you had done so, we would have had to take away your uh, solution architecture badge because <laughs> uh, we just don't do that sort of stuff. <laughs> Absolutely not. So I guess, yeah, if, you, if you're thinking about the planning process, it's a, it's a download of the, the OVA and then uh, some configuration, some installation. So uh, really, it's not too big a barrier to get started and at least uh, experiment. 
Absolutely not. Very simple. Fantastic. Well, Shane, thanks for coming on and talking to us about this uh, this new service and good to get some hands-on perspective on something that is not completely cloud-based. So luckily you have your own data center at home to share with us. Thanks, Simon. No worries. And thanks again for listening. Um, as ever, we'd love to get your feedback, AWS podcast at amazon.com. And until next time, keep on building.